Welcome to Inclusion Matters, produced by the Center for Inclusive Child Care, aka the CICC. We're located at inclusivechildcare.org. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast of the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Cindy Croft, Director of the CICC, and I'm here again with Priscilla Weigel, an inclusion consultant with our organization. Welcome, Priscilla. Hi, Cindy. I'm excited that we're going to start a three-part series on sharing concerns with families, a topic Mm -hmm. near and dear to both of our hearts. Yes. And so today we thought we would open with talking really about observations and that's really the basis for sharing concerns with families. Certainly. It's the foundation before you even set up a meeting or even think about bringing things up. You really want to make sure that you have good information that's concrete, that's easy to share, and that's positive for the family because if you don't have that, you're not going to be prepared when you want to touch base with that that parent, whether it's drop-off time or pick-up time or in an email or whatever, you have to have the information that's that's concrete. Exactly. And so I think it would be helpful maybe to people listening if we maybe went over some of the basics that might be needed um, when we're thinking about observation and recording. So maybe we could start with observation first. Sure. Uh, what, what, when, what would we want to look for uh, when we're thinking about doing observation of children that are in our child care programs? Well, I think that you, know, you, you kind of start with your gut. As a provider, as a you know, a professional, you think this ch- something about this child's development is not on track. And so, when you have that thought or that feeling, then you move to the next step of figuring out how you're going to document your concerns. Whether those concerns get in the way of that child's learning, their communication, their social interaction, those are crucial pieces for child for a child's development. If they are struggling in those areas, they're not learning. They're not able to play. They're not able to get their needs met. So we want to make sure that we really watch that child in their interactions, looking at how they communicate their needs. And you need to, if you want to keep track of that and be able to go back and look for patterns or you know, um, clusters of concerning behaviors and that sort of thing, you need to figure out how you're going to document that. Because you can't just keep it all up in your noggin. Mm-hmm. We all think we have great memories, but especially when you sit down with a parent and there's that uncomfortableness, there's that nervousness. I mean, I think it's the most challenging part of our job is sharing concerns. We want to be sure that we have things written down. So providers often pick something that works for them, whether it's post-it notes in their pocket to just jot things down and then go to a notebook later on in the day and write it more concretely and in more detail, whether it's a, a checklist you know, some providers use use checklists that you can purchase, or um, you know, sometimes there's conference forms for early childhood programs that do standard conferences for families, and that's the type of thing that they use. Um, there are ways to just break things down in developmental domains. You know, looking at the gross motor, fine motor, sensory, um, cognitive, language skills, both receptive and expressive. So you you have to see what works for you, what's easy to understand, and what's easy to get that information down on paper. And then you can think about talking with the family. We talked about red flags, I believe, in an earlier podcast. Now, sometimes you might you might be thinking that there's a red flag in mm-hmm. some developmental domain. Or sometimes a red flag might come up 
just through your observations. Sure. Correct? Correct. And even this oftentimes, um, and this is exciting when this happens, sometimes you think it's a red flag, but then when you really go back and look at developmental information and where that child should be within a range of what is normal or typical development, you realize this is just two-year-old behavior, Mm -hmm. and I just needed to be reminded of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe you have an exemplary group of two-year-olds, and this child's looking really out of sorts most days. It just may be that their personality is just a little more feisty, or maybe Mm -hmm. their temperament is just a little more intense. So observation can give you a lot of good information by looking at it and and looking at the child's development, looking at what you're, you're documenting, and realizing, wow, this this is something that I need to pursue, pursue more, or maybe I need to just share this with this parent because they're pulling their hair out as well. Mm-hmm. Something I like to tell groups as well is if you, if you think you see a red flag in a child's development today uh, and you haven't been observing and recording, then you have to start recording. You know, you want to get... Uh, a period of time of data mm-hmm. to share with parents. And so if you've been doing it all along, then you don't lose more time. Exactly. And that's that's always something that we want to think about is is what what your ongoing data helps you be able to uh, talk to a family when you really start to see a concern because you already have the information. Right. That's so crucial when we're talking about development. Definitely. And that that's such a good point because I think a lot of times we think, I don't need to be keeping track of this because I know this child. But really, it just gives you a better picture of that child's development. And so all the kids that you're caring for on a daily basis, have you have a record of where they are and what they're learning and doing. And that's so important. And that's a great segue because if you haven't been writing down development, developmental milestones or developmental achievements or just day-by-day sorts of um, accomplishments or the processes that children are going through Um, and you start to recognize there may be a red flag or Mm -hmm. something you want to talk to parents about and it's it but it's up in your head then then it's very difficult to pull out that information and give it to parents with credibility right right it's important to have it written down because when we sit down with that family, they're going to say, oh, really? Well, when does it happen? When have you seen it? What time of day? And all those things, if you've been you know, keeping track and watching that child just as a general rule, you're going to be able to say, you know what? Nap time seems to be a challenge. We've noticed that. And it's been the last couple weeks, the last three weeks. And so we're kind of wondering if there's a new routine at home or maybe there's something different that that we need to be doing to help your child make that transition easier and and that that type of thing. So what are the elements that we need to really do effective recording that will be useful for us when we want to talk to a family about a concern? Well, knowledge of child development is huge. I think we tend to have very high expectations for children, Mm -hmm. higher than oftentimes what's developmentally appropriate. And so if we have a good handle on, if I'm going to spend the day with a bunch of four to five-year-olds or three to five-year-olds, where should they be on that on those milestones? What what's coming next? What have they just moved up from? So I'm 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 very knowledgeable in that area. That's important for me as a provider to have a good grasp of that. And then I can move on to keeping track 
of things in a non-judgmental way, jotting down statements about that child's development, kind of like I'm just taking a snapshot of what I'm seeing in front of me, in front of me, not adding in judgments of my own and assumptions and things that that really add more to it than are necessary. So so give us maybe an example. For instance, if you if if we're looking at a child's um, physical or emotional development and we want to say, you know, we, we realize the child perhaps isn't uh, interacting socially in a way that we think at that age they should be. So rather than say something like, um, he seems lonely. <laughs> right, right. Which, if we say that to a parent, they might think, well, he's an only child, of course. He's, he, he likes to play alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might dismiss that. Mm-hmm. What might be a more objective, developmental way to talk about a child who is uh, engaging in solitary play when we expect them to have moved more towards at least parallel mm-hmm. or uh, cooperative play. Well, I think just the way you said that, using those terms, so you're, you know, Joey's in, engaged in solitary play on the playground, and for his age, children at that age oftentimes are moving from solitary through parallel to cooperative. You know, so it, so so using facts that we can refer back to when sh- when parents say, "What do you mean?" Mm-hmm. You can pull out that developmental checklist or those you know, the information that you're using to keep yourself up to date and pointing that out to families. You know, typically at this age, children at this age, their interactive skills are at this level. We're noticing that that's something that your child isn't choosing when they're out on the playground or during the classroom time when it's free play. So instead of making judgments of they're lonely or they don't like to play with friends, we don't know that. We honestly don't know that. Maybe the child really does yearn to be interacting but they just don't have the skills so the way you frame it is really important with that and also you know um, making those assumptions we have to move away from that we cannot say your child has all the characteristics of a child with autism or I think they might have ADHD because my child has ADHD Mm -hmm. and they look exactly like my little Mm -hmm. Joey did when he was four I mean those types of things just are not allowed they're not Great. I'm glad that you said that because I don't think we can emphasize that enough. Mm-hmm. Our role is not diag- diagnostician. Right. Uh, our role is really to assess development in terms of what we know is typical and then share those developmental milestones with families and then next steps, which we'll be talking about in our uh, next couple of of uh, podcasts. Great. So thank you for your valuable information and we will be um, again sharing sharing concerns with families in the next two podcasts. Thank you all for being with us. Thank you Priscilla. Okay. That's all for now. See you next time.